0: Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Love seeing everybody interacting all natural, meaning without masks. What'd you guys think I meant? <laughs> it's funny how that's uh, really become something I cherish now. I love seeing smiling faces. I mean, for two years, it just seemed like we missed them, right? So it's great to see people now and be able to understand their expression. I don't know about you, but I was, like, very horrible at recognizing people in masks. So, like, I could never see people and, hi, yeah, until you actually see who they are. Oh, 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 Joe. (laughs) This morning, we're going to spend some time in James chapter 3, 1 to 12. And I love that Jess spilled the beans in her own words, but um, we don't talk about this enough, I think. Uh, It's something that I think, if we're honest, all of us can struggle with. It's certainly something that came out of me examining myself, right? So I start this off by telling you, I am not great at this, right? And so a lot of the study that I did and my prayer was really around this and basically praying out to God, God, can you help me in this area, so I want to share some of that with you this morning. I think you'll find it just as helpful because our tongue is very important. Before I start, how about we say a word of prayer? Makes sense. Okay, Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, uh, you are great and you are gracious. It is so much by your grace that you allow us to operate the way we do day after day after day. Father, I confess to you that although my heart yearns to bring you glory and to represent you well, the reality is I don't always do that well. Father, I am duplicitous at times. I have a sin nature that wells up. But Father, I also thank you for the Holy Spirit that you give us, that walks with me, dwells within me each day, gives us the power to overcome the world. Father, today, as all of us, as your children, look into your word, would you have it pierce our souls? Would you have it convict us where we are not bringing you glory? And Father, would you give us the strength, the energy, the resolve, the commitment to dedicate our lives to being transformed and conformed more into the image of your Son so that we can bring you glory? Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the use of the tongue constitutes a very large part of everything we do as human beings. It's by this tiny little organ that we carry on much of our lives and the most important actions. Speech has been appropriately called the rudder that steers human affairs the spring that sets the wheels of life in motion and the index of the mind. Thought and feeling often dictate the language of the lips, and the habitually right use of speech is an indication of a healthy and sharp mind. So important is speech that we attribute wisdom and great learning to those who can eloquently communicate With an enlarged and appropriate vocabulary. While at the same time, we're quick to accuse someone of possibly being a brute, uncultured, or low-class based on the language they use. When we open our mouths, we tell the world who we are inside, and that can be done with or without restraint. Today, We're going to look into ten times the Bible tells us to err on the side of caution and exercise restraint. And we're going to do this starting with James chapter 3, 1 to 12. So turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles or punch it into your phone if you're part of the digital. Let me read this out for us. James chapter 3. Verses 1 to 12, and this is the ESV version. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Wonderful words. Wonderful, wonderful words. Today, we're going to look at three of the main characterizations that James gives for the tongue. I've highlighted them here. We'll go through. But before I get in a little bit further, has anyone out here, I'm sure this has happened to me, but probably none of you, has anyone out here ever opened your mouth and then promptly inserted your foot? (laughs) Anybody? Right, there's so many times when I go back I can think of. And it's amazing because does anybody really go about opening their mouth knowing you're going to insert your foot? No. No. Matter of fact, it's one of the the last things we want to do, right? Don't you feel horrible afterwards, right? Uh, You can hurt people's feelings. You can feel stupid about it. Um, It's just not something pleasant. And yet we do it, and we do it over and over. So part, as we go through here, I hope to share with you a little bit, too, that from James, for how we can understand why we do that. And then maybe interrupt that a bit. Does that sound great? Okay. Let's go forward then. Those three analogies of the tongue we talked about. The first one, James compares the tongue to a bridle or a rudder. He says we put bits in the mouths of horses. How many people are horse people here? Got one over here. I know we're missing a couple. (laughs) They're here, big horse people, right? If you've ever been up close to those creatures, especially, say, a Clydesdale down in uh, Williamsburg, anybody been up against a Clydesdale, right? They're massive. They're huge. They're intimidating. You can see the power. Like, when a Clydesdale walks by, you feel it first, right on the ground. Next, you can see the muscles just rippling. Sort of like when I take my shirt off to sw- Well, okay, maybe not. But you can see the Clydesdale just muscles ripple as it goes through. It's a powerful beast. And yet a small rod of about four inches controls where that entire beast goes. Now, a few years ago, and this is many, many years ago, my wife and I were camping on the top of a mountaintop with the Amway business at the time. And we were able to go out and actually ride horses as part of that. So everyone got a horse, and they picked these different horses out and got it. And the guy looked at me, and he goes, you seem pretty confident. I'm giving you Old Blue. Old Blue. First off, I'm not sure if I should like that or not, right? Was that a compliment? Was that something? He's gonna, right, all kinds of thoughts come into your mind. But Old Blue, I'll tell you, was a gray-type horse, big horse, looked like it seen better days, But they gave them to me because they said Old Blue is pretty stubborn. So if Old Blue doesn't go where you need Old Blue to go, you need to give him a what for. And I was like, a what for? What's a what for? And the guy says, you see that little piece of hose hanging off his saddle? It's a piece of hose about this big. I go, yeah? He goes, you need to get that hose and give him a what for on the back to get him to listen to you. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm not hitting this horse, right? It's my first time I'm riding a horse. I'm, gonna, I'm on the back, I'm going to start whipping a horse. So everybody practices a little bit, right? I get on Old Blue, and they said all you have to do to get them to go is just kind of throw the reins, right? Kick them a little bit in the sides. Say, giddy up, and they'll go. So they do that, and there go five other people in my group out there, and I'm sitting there with Old Blue. Old Blue turns around, looks at me. All right, goes back to eating some grass. I was like, what? This isn't working, <laughs> Right, Right away, you think it's like a golf cart or something. It just needs something tuned up. But it's a, an animal with a mind of its own. It's not working. All right, guys, give it a what for? Really? So I'm like, i give it a little bit of tap. Whap, whap. Kind of looks at me there again, doesn't do much at all. All right, finally, I'm seeing people off at a distance. I'm getting scared. I'm also getting a little mad, the I give him a good one, right? Blue takes off, wow, now I'm holding on, I catch up with everybody else. He get up to the trail and they start to make a turn to go off to the right, what's old Blue do? He wants to go off here to the left. He goes, oh no you don't, I pull the rein in on the right, right, let him off, man, I'm starting going sideways, he's doing this march and everything. What do I gotta do? The but they, whoop, and he comes back in. So about halfway through that trail ride, old Blue and I came to an arrangement. He understood we were going in my direction, right, or he was going to feel pain. I feel like that's exactly how God is with me. I don't know about you, right, but I've had enough pain, I've had enough what for, I've had enough slaps, <laughs> that I feel like he gets me in that spot where I realize wow, I really just need to listen to you, Lord, and go where you want me to go, right? And then that that's the best for me, and that he wants the best for me. So when James mentions this bridle or a rudder, it means a lot to me. And the other aspect he talks about is the large ships, right, and the little rudder. Lisa and I just got back from a cruise about a week ago. We went down to the Bahamas. And I was amazed that the large ship—it was a legend—we were on at, uh, from Carnival out of uh, here at Baltimore. And I'm amazed, but they don't have ships' wheels anymore, right? You think about the pirate days; yeah, the big wooden wheels, and they grab hold and they turn these things, right? Then the other part of it, though, in more recent times, when I was in the military, there was always a metal wheel with sort of a spinner we called another handle here. They could do it, or it was a drivable wheel on the sub. You know what they have now? Anyone? A joystick about this big. Goes right down on the console. It's just about that big. And they do the entire ship with that joystick. And the ship uses the rudder, and it uses all kinds of other control systems to pull the thing in. Just this little rudder. It's our tongues. And yet we go on... Not only being stubborn like a bridle, but we go on not even thinking about bumping our tongue all over the place, letting it run wild, understanding where we would go. Well, the next analogy he talks about is this fire or blaze. And that, quite simply, is the ability for your tongue to destroy. One bad word, bless you. <laughs> One bad word, right, can destroy someone's character. They could have worked hard for that. One little piece of gossip, why do we think it's in the membership commitment? Right, refusing to gossip. One little thing. One little spark can set a forest fire on blaze. Same thing. What most people think of easily is how you could use your words to harm others. But you might have to think a little bit harder to realize your words harm you just as quickly. And so you can change the course of your life. You can set limits upon yourself all with that tongue that's not careful. And the third part he talks about, he says the tongue's like the wild animal, the restless evil. And that's that part that makes it so hard to control. Right, that part that I said we were going to talk a little bit, hopefully you'll get some insight from the word of God into how we can really get to controlling that. How we can be conformed to the image of a son who is a perfect man. So let's look at that rudder a little bit. Right, look at the ships also. They are so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by that small rudder wherever the will of Pirate, pilot delect directs so what are some examples and this is not all-inclusive but what are some examples in the bible of when we need to watch our rudders or be careful about our bits and i would even say you know the title of this message that i put up there was shut your trap when is the time that we need to shut our traps right the traps could be for ourselves the traps could be for others But when does the Bible say, keep your mouth closed? Here's the first example. When tempted to make a vow. Deuteronomy 23, 21 says, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. Ooh. Right, how easy it would be to say, Lord, if you just let me win this lottery, I'd give 80% of it to the church. Right? Careful, you might win it. You better be serious. 80% needs to go to the church if that's the case. One of my favorite Old Testament Bible stories, judges, is Jephthah. Anyone recall the story of Jephthah? What did he do? He made a vow, made a very rash vow. Right, you go back. He said, hey, the first thing that comes through the door, I'll sacrifice to you. Right? And the first thing through that door was his daughter, his only daughter. So that's something if you're interested in, go back and read. When tempted to make a vow, be very certain. Keep your mouth closed right? and your tongue bridled until you are absolutely certain you're going to follow through with that. Next, the Bible tells us, When you're talking too much, Proverbs 10, 19 says, Where words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Husbands, this is one you can forget, right? I'm telling you, I tried to use that by quoting that to Lisa. It does not work. (laughs) Get yourself in a lot of trouble doing that, right? Comes right back at you. (laughs) Probably the same thing. But where words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Sometimes you just get on a roll, don't you? Right? Talking's easy. People are listening. We all like to be listened to. You just keep talking and talking and talking until what? Transgression. You're going to mess up eventually. We have that sin nature, right? We have that pool. We have that temptation. So let your words be few. Let your yes be yes and your no-no. How about this third example, when receiving counsel, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. If you have no idea what this is, then you're probably guilty of it, All right? But I've seen it so many times, and you can be receiving counsel from a number of different sources. All right, the one that comes to mind first is I've seen people go and meet with their pastor over a problem or something that they have. And they tell the problem and they start working with them. And then they spend the rest of the time just justifying and explaining their thoughts and saying why they think the situation is and why it's helpless and where it's at. Right, the Bible tells you, shut your mouth and listen. Right? Plans fail for lack of counsel there's safety in the multitude of counselors, right? When you're getting counsel, how about when you're up in the morning and you're listening to the Bible, you're reading the Bible, you're studying in the word, right? A lot of times that word hits you right in the face. James goes on and says, you know, that person who looks into the word and then turns around and leaves is like a man looking in the mirror and turning around. the Bible will convict you. The Bible will tell you where you need to change. That's that point where again, you shut up and you listen. Unless you want the what for as a correction. You don't go your old way like blue. You look at the Bible, you listen to the Bible, your mouth is closed, you take this in and you go the way the Bible tells you to go. Plain and simple. And here's a fourth example of the bridle or the rudder. The Bible tells us to keep our mouths shut when wanting to be thought of as wise. Don't we all want to be thought of as wise? We do, but there are certain situations where that's appropriate. Proverbs 17, 27 to 28 says, "'Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, "'and he who has a cool spirit "'is a man of understanding.'" Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. This is one of my favorite. I've heard this stated a different way. It says, better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I love that. If you don't know a lot about what someone's talking about or the subject, it's okay to be quiet. (laughs) Right? If you're unsure about the subject, it's okay to be restrained. What about in time? It says he who has a cool spirit. A cool spirit. That just kind of lets you know, right? That cool. Just moving along. Nice and easy. Relaxed. Right? All of that comes into play when you're thinking about that. The person who's relaxed is a man of understanding. I have also heard it said from people that you can generally tell how much grace a person has in their own life by how quickly they are willing to forgive others. It's an interesting part for us. Every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian has an abundance of grace. All right? We'd be headed for eternal damnation if not for what Christ did for us on the cross. And when did he do it? He did it while we were still sinners. right? Not the repentant man on the right of Christ. The unrepentant person on the other side, the left of Christ. That's who we were when he extended grace to us. Is it easier for us to keep quiet and cool when we think of the grace that has been extended to us and then extend that outward? A fire... a blaze James goes on and he talks about that he says and the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell right there's that destructive force I remember when I was a younger person man this is way back when I think I was a little less than 10 at the time but my grandmother's sister, called a great aunt, they owned a bar on Fort Avenue, and I remember going down there. And for me, I loved getting the barbecue potato chips and the pickled onions, and the maybe this is a Baltimore thing, but and the little sausages that they had there. Those things are so full of nitrate, She's probably still got three or four of them in the bottle right now. That's right, still good. But anyway, I just love them. I remember sitting down there one time, and there was a person on the end of the bar, an older lady. And every time she opened her mouth, it was like with five or six expletives. Every one of them came out of it. And I remember my aunt saying one time, yeah, she's had a rough life, right? She's just a rough broad from the streets. And I thought about that. Do you think she was happy with being a rough broad from the streets? Right? If she wanted to change that, what would she have to do to change that reputation? She'd have to start with her tongue. Because right? the people that see her, she might want to spend less time in the bar. <laughs> that would help with the restraint. Right? But how we are perceived and what opportunities come our way and what we believe about ourselves is dictated by that tongue and we can do a host of other things right and turn it wrong by what we say so let's look when does the Bible tell us to shut up to avoid sort of that fire and blaze five when tempted to lie Ooh, nobody likes that word lie right nobody really lies sometimes we just tell less than truth Or sometimes, you know, it's misdirected, you didn't understand exactly what I said. Or sometimes we tell something close to the truth, we don't really lie. But Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. An abomination. There's six other abominations out there if you go to those verses and you take a look at And it'll blow your mind that lying lips are included in that list. I guarantee you, you're like, why? Murder? I'm lying is as bad as murder? How's that work? An abomination. Right, we do it so easily, don't we? We justify it at times, right? In our less than perfect things, we find reasons why we need to lie. There's all kinds of different ways, but falsehood. Is the way I like it. It says, but those who act faithfully are are his delight. If I can give you one thought, one thought I'm really working on for myself, is if I want to honor God, I can delight him by acting faithfully with my tongue and my lips. Delight him. Think about that. You love the Lord. You love the Lord with all your heart. You want to delight him. Right? Don't we want to do well for our Heavenly Father that did for us? We want to delight him. Here's an opportunity. Faithfully act. Truthfully act. Right? Reflect the glory unto him. Six. Well, You should be de-escalating a conflict. I'm horrible at this. Something in the way I was brought up. I'm a fighter. Right? Some people say I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, okay, I love... I got to tell you, I'm kind of a fighter. When I, when I was younger, I used to take up for the little guy. That was sort of my stick, right? I jumped into fights I had no reason getting into, but it was offset for what I thought, and some big guy picking on a little guy, and I wasn't going to let that happen, right? We can look at that and say that's admirable, I don't know, right? If someone wrongs me, the first thing that comes up in my flesh wells up is, oh, yeah? We're going to go, right? You ready? Let's go. You want a piece of me? That's the first thing that comes up in my flesh. The Bible tells me, though, very different. It says a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. I love this because what's it mean? It means a smart aleck. Right? We've all seen them. Someone with those quick quips. Maybe you take a shot back at somebody that takes a shot at you. Right? I'll give them a jab. And then usually... I like to give those underhanded jabs, you know, the kind that on the surface don't seem too bad, but then I'll hit one, and I know about 10 seconds later you're going to go, what, wait, what? What did he just say? The Bible tells me I'm better off keeping my mouth shut. And why? Those lips and escalate, 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 fight. Qualifications for elders really woke me up to this. Because the qualification for an elder says he is not a fighter, not a pugilist, right? Not someone that fights with fists, goes through. But wait a minute! Don't I have to fight to guard the flock, right? Don't I have to fight to protect God's people from the lion? Well, I think this church just kind of went through a little bit about warfare, didn't you? Right, with the armor of God, and where was that best spent? I think mean, Jim said it, on your knees is where it's best spent. Right? We have someone that fights for us now. We don't have to fight for ourselves in that same way. Right? We're sheep among the lions. We can be crafty. But we don't have to be the fighter, the be-all, end-all. Love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. And it wouldn't be a bill sermon if I don't get Spurgeon or one of my other reformed people in here as a quote. So... Gratuitously, I had to do it. But Spurgeon said, everybody will acknowledge that the tongue is a flame, but it's not everybody that will remember to keep his gunpowder out of the way of the candle. I love it. Right? The fact is, all of us have this great power to wield, and we can wield it carelessly, or we could wield it skillfully like a scalpel and carve people up, but it is still destructive. Do we want to be destroyers? All right. I'm not a son or a daughter from the destroyer. I'm a son or a daughter from an encourager, from someone who extends grace, who builds people up. That's what we want to reflect. The Bible tells us you better keep your mouth shut. So, another example. How about when tempted to criticize, condemn, or complain? The three C's. Ooh, I see some people squirming, and I know I'm squirming myself when I see this one. Criticize, condemn, or complain. Ephesians 4, 31 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Let me take that corrupting, and I'll say, let no fire-setting talk come out of your mouth. All right? But only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. All right. I love the song Jess had. Right? It's your breath in our mouth. Hebrew for breath is ruah. Right, it just means exhaling, ruha. But it's also the same word they talk about for the spirit of God as the ruha of God. Right? So now the breath of God is what he breathed into us to give us life. How do we breathe it out? Right, do we breathe it out worthy as his children conform to the image of his son? Sadly, I don't always. Matthew 7, 1-2. to Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Now this does not mean don't judge things. There's plenty of other times in the Bible that tells you to judge, and people will misquote this all the time. We are to use right discretion and discernment in the world. What this means is extend the same grace you want for yourself to others quite simply. right? And what do we do? Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Can you forgive me? Real easy that way, right? We know we didn't mean it. What do we do with somebody else? I know she meant that. I don't care what she said. She's been thinking about that for so long and then she just let that slide at that time. I know what's going on. Right? We harbor that the whole time. Why is it so hard for us to forgive others and so easy for us to forgive ourselves? Another verse, Philippians 2, 14 to 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What happens to all of us? You ever notice you get like a really brand new Christian, someone who's just turned their life over and they're shining. You can see that. I mean, you get around them, and everything is the glory of God. And then what happens to a bunch of others? That dust of the world just gets on there. It needs to be polished again. It needs to be shined again. You need to work and yield to the Holy Spirit so that we can be shined up to reflect God's glory. I mean, it says that we are to stand out. You are to be different. Right? It's real easy with the people at work around the cooler, the water cooler. They're letting words fly right and left. Right? It's real hard for us sometimes to stand there and not use the same just to fit in. Right? Oh, that's the Christian person. Did you hear him? He got mad. He said, oh, golly gee. Right? They'll make fun of you for it, but that is what our Heavenly Father asks of us. He asks us to stand out in the midst. Last part, says a wild animal, the tongue is like a wild animal or a restless evil. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. That restless evil, full of deadly poison. What are some examples the Bible tells us to shut our trap? Number eight, when tempted to flatter those you don't admire. (laughs) Anybody do that? I've done that. And then I've kicked myself afterwards real easy, right? Why? We all like to be liked. You want to be seen as kind, right? But your yes is not yes and your no is not no if you're flattering, right? And you don't really mean it. So Psalms 12, 1 to 2 says, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. You can hear the anguish. He's just looking, where are the people of God shown to me? I feel like that some days, don't you? When you look around, you just feel like, where are the people that value the things that God values? Number nine, when tempted to make a boast. Psalms 12, 3 to 4 says, May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts, those who say with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Now, as long as I've been looking all of my 55 years, I've never found anybody who would claim to love the person who boasts all the time. In fact, all of us kind of have this visceral thing. Oh, yeah, there goes Joe again. Right? There goes Frank. There goes... No offense, Frank. Right? <laughs> right? There goes Jehoshaphat, again, bragging about this and bragging about that. All right, we all see that, none of us like it. But you know the interesting thing I found with this is social media can do this today. All right, and we can get guilty of that. Let's do the best part of our lives. Let's brag it up online. The Bible tells us we should keep our mouth shut. All right, the flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. What's the main problem with this? The main problem is that last part, right, where they say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? Right, there's a huge movement in evangelicals called the word of faith. And the big problem with the word of faith is that they believe they have the power through their tongue to make things happen it's not God with the power it's them with the power they say this they can bring it into being just like God did no it says with our tongue we will prevail our lips are with us who is master over us right that person that thinks they're the self-made person who has no accountability who can say what they want who can brag about everything that they've done be careful Bible tells you it's better to shut your mouth there Things can change in an instance and does, right? People who are, you read about it all the time. The, the kind of most frequent example is you hear about some executive who was on top of the world making billions of dollars. The stock market crashes and he takes, you know, the no parachute quick ride down to the ground from the 80th floor or whatever of one of his buildings, right? Things change in an instant. It's by the grace of God you have what you have. It's by his discernment, his sovereignty, that even the evil have what they have. And although we don't understand it, to think that it has, it's all for our doing is a time we should keep our mouth shut. So ten, last example I'll give you today. When tempted to tell dirty jokes or use profanity. Proverbs 8, 7 and 8 says, For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. No secret that I was in the Navy. I talk about it, say it a lot. I have this story when I was coming home from leave after boot camp in the Navy. I was about 18, sitting in Orlando's airport with a few of my Navy buddies, and we're just shooting a breeze, right? Back and forth, talking back and forth, not thinking much of it. I feel a little tap on my shoulder. Turn around, there's this gentleman there, very well dressed, looked like a businessman. Um, He says, excuse me. He said, would you mind watching your mouth? He says, I have my wife and my child here with me. And I remember I turned around and honestly, I could not tell you what I said for him to say that to me, but I had no doubt that I had said it. I had become that careless with my lips and I was around it every single day in the military that it was just common language for me, right? And every word came with an expletive as an adjective that I said and had no idea. But that was a day that kind of really woke me up, right? As you go further and further on, like I mentioned, the woman on Ford Avenue at the end of the bar, Right. My mouth will utter truth wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. I wouldn't expect that she was saved. Would you expect someone that's saved to be using words like that all the time? The reality is, yeah, there's probably many that do. And it's part of their struggle and their walk. Right? But you don't have to. You can repent. And you can turn around from that. James finishes up and says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, talking in the tongue, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. My exhortation for us, if you do one thing, can we follow these things and just shut our mouth? Right, we don't always have to say the right thing, but let's shut our mouth and not say the wrong thing at times. All right, let's commit that everything out will be a blessing, that everything will be for building up, that everything would reflect right, our Father's greatness and His glory through those pieces. I'll ask the worship team to make their way to the stage now as we finish. James 3.2a, he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. So you and I both know there is no way in and of ourselves we can do this. No man can tame the the tongue. No woman can tame the tongue. Right There's no way we're going to be able to do that unless you're a perfect man. Well, every single Christian that ever has been has the benefit of walking their life daily with the perfect man in the form of the Holy Spirit with us, right? And he helps us to overcome the world and not be overcome by it. Romans 8, 29 to 30 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you that if you love the Lord and you've turned your life over to Him and you are horrible at the tongue, He's already known before He called you that He can conform you to the image of His Son. He's already known. Just get in line with it. It'll happen. Now, before the worship team takes us out on the final song, I recognize there's a couple different types of people in here. Maybe you're like me, and you look back, and when you're going through this message and these Bible verses, you can just see glaring times where you're not proud of, and you know you need to change, and you know you you want a U-turn, and you just want to stop doing that stuff. Well, I'm going to pray for you here today, too. But maybe there's somebody else who walked in here and you're just feeling beat down. You feel like there's no chance that you have with this. There is. He knew you beforehand when he called you. He knew you. He knew he would have his will with you when you dedicated your life to him. And then there's some of you who don't know anything about Christ right now. You don't know his character Right? Maybe you don't know a whole lot about what he did for you or why he did it. Maybe you don't know a whole lot about God. You hear things from other people, and you don't even know maybe why you walked in here today. All of that can change with you turning your life over to Christ. The Bible tells us that he stands at the door and knocks. And if you open, he will come in and dine with you. Right? So bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, when I look at my life, there are many moments where I am not proud at all. And Father, I know for me to attempt to do this myself would be boastful and prideful. Father, I need you. But Father, I'm so encouraged. And I know that in turning my life over to you, you are sovereign. You have perfect will for me. You know what I need. And your Holy Spirit brings it and gives it to me each and every day. Father, would you change me this day? Help me make a U-turn in my life. Father, for those among us who don't know you, would you come into their life? Would you take over the lordship of their life? Would you be the horse rider? Give them the what for when they need it, but more so turn the bridle and bring them into the direction. Lead them into green pastures and bring them into the will that you have for them in their life. Father, we rest assured that everyone who calls upon your name will be answered and will be saved. And Father, today we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.